Welcome to Desert Island Geek. Each episode, we welcome one self-confessed geek to our deserted island. But there's a catch. They may bring five, and only five, of their most essential geek items they simply cannot live without. Welcome back to another Desert Island Geek, and this week we have Sebastian Pruth coming onto the island. Now, Sebastian is a published writer, a blogger, a film producer, and he's an all-round media geek. He's an avid Star Trek fan, and he's interviewed many of the key personnel involved in the Star Trek franchise. Ultimately, he wants to work in TV or film as a producer. Sebastian, welcome to the island. Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. So as you know, you have a number of items you're permitted to bring onto the island, five items in total. And uh, the first one that I need to uh, verify with you is a website. What website have you chosen? Well, I've decided to bring Wikipedia along with me. Okay, now that that's kind of a default choice, isn't it? Because it's almost the obvious one. So I'm going to be really firm with you here and say you're going to have to really work hard to justify this. Okay. Well, if I'm going to be stuck on this island for... God knows how long, I'd like to be able to continue my work as a writer. And a great resource is Wikipedia because I can look up things and write about things and continue doing what I do and not actually have to use any technology to do so because generally I write with a pen and paper anyway. I see that's a different angle because we had um, someone in a recent episode who said that he wanted Wikipedia for survival tips so that he'd be able to to sort of look up the various... Uh, fauna on the island and decide what was poisonous and what wasn't so so for you it's it's about research now would it also act as inspiration for you maybe if you got a little bit of writer's block one afternoon just after lunch well (laughs) just after lunch on a desert island in the middle of nowhere yeah i think that it could act as inspiration um could definitely help with identifying things i hadn't thought of that i'd already made provisions for that um the uh, the reason Wikipedia is such a great resource is because it's constantly being updated. So I don't lose. Uh, I can check the front page to see what the news is, and I can, you know, stay pretty current with Wikipedia. So how would you feel being sort of quite remote and potentially not being able to make updates to Wikipedia yourself when you see um, errors in the information? Well, generally, I don't edit Wikipedia uh, because I've noticed if I've done it in the past and put effort into it, it just gets deleted. (laughs) So so I just leave it alone and use it for referencing things that can be cross-referenced, usually on the other places on the internet, because I don't generally trust Wikipedias totally. You know, in this case, if I'm going to be stuck on an island, I don't think anyone's going to be checking my facts too much either, so I should be okay with user-generated information, wouldn't you say? Well, you see, um, my mischievous side would suggest that I would actually want to go in and start feeding misinformation and edit Wikipedia and feed misinformation to you in order to to guide your writing and your inspiration down particular directions. Well, that that, that sounds um, particularly devious. (laughs) 
Would you would you feel inclined then to uh, maybe when you eventually come off the island actually start a Wikipedia entry for the island itself with all of its various information? Well, that w- that's interesting. If I have Wikipedia with me, why shouldn't I create the um, article while I'm there and I'm able to update it as well? And uh, uh, just you know, this is the island of you know desert island geeks, and it has uh, you know so many million billion grains of sound <laughs> and well, uh, you're clearly planning on being on the island for quite quite some time if you're going to calculate the amount of sand well i'm sure it could be done <laughs> it couldn't it <laughs> the second item you're allowed to bring on is um is a podcast now we don't actually get involved in this in the island about the technology barriers to actually receiving um websites and podcasts and so on so Maybe we can have a discussion. So if you have some ideas in how we can actually uh, implement uh, the the access and so on, feel free to to interject those into the conversation. So um, a podcast, what would you what would be your choice? Let's take the BBC News Morning podcast. That's an interesting choice. Now, to to anybody listening who doesn't know, the BBC have a more light hearted uh, version of the news in the morning called uh, Breakfast and. It does have formal news sections, but also has kind of magazine sections as well. And I think it's around about 7 a.m. in the morning. This is pushed, also pushed out as a podcast. I mean, presuming that they they record the first time they go through the news and the discussion and then push that out as a podcast. So that that would be your, your choice. So you, you'd – do you choose that because of, of the, the variety, the fact it's not just hardcore news in in that particular program? Well, I think choosing the morning show allows me to stay in contact with with people, even though I'm isolated, because I'm able to find out what's going on, um, especially um, because I can hear people who I'm familiar with. It's not like being stuck on the island with a volleyball and, and you know, just n- nothing else to do. So if, if if you have somebody you know, like the two morning presenters on the BBC, and you kind of listen to them talking and they, they go through the headlines and they talk about what's going on. They talk about little, they give little tidbits from their personal lives. You almost feel like maybe with that morning update that those people come and see you every morning. So it's the it's familiarity, but isn't there a danger in that, in that kind of situation that you may, it may actually make you more homesick? Well, it could do. Um, but you didn't mention in the brief on this island how to um, – th- I wouldn't be able to construct anything to get myself off it. Is there, is there absolutely no way to build a boat to get off the island? Who knows? It depends how resourceful you are, I think. Depends on how resourceful Wikipedia are. <laughs> that that may well be the case. And who knows? You may you may n- never know. You might have on, on breakfast time one, one morning, you might actually have an article about building a boat. Well, they, they might or they might have um, – um, was it Ellen – Helen um, – the lady who crossed the – ocean single-handedly maybe she'd come on and give some tips oh so so i i see what you mean so so you can monitor the news and the next time ellen MacArthur's doing her round the world trip solo you'll know when she's going past and you'll utilize that as a potential pickup that's right now see don't you think there's a little bit of a danger there that that ellen might be going around solo and and if she picks you up she's no longer solo so do you think she may actually be inclined to save you or do you think she's one of these um, totally focused uh, sports people who's, you know, dedicated to the cause and will do everything she possibly can. 
to, to well to unless she gets off her boat and says it's against the prime directive to bring you aboard i'm gonna get on her ship and <laughs> we're gonna go <laughs> well at least that way you're gonna get home pretty fast actually because her her boats tend to be uh tend to be zippy shall we say yeah the, the little catamaran things aren't they yeah cat, catamarans and and um Again, for anybody that that that, that doesn't know Ellen MacArthur, she she has uh, isn't she the fastest solo person around the world or something like that? She won a she race. She still holds the record. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, quite amazing. What she the, the the pain and suffering she goes through when she's actually alone on the uh, on the ocean. And that I think you know on on some if you're on an island or something, I think you, being on firm ground and having things around you, food and and plants and animals has to be um, a lot easier to deal with than being right in the middle of a completely featureless ocean. Well, I think that it's very cathartic for her um, because she probably is able to analyze the most deep, dark, and hairy parts of her psyche uh, where she can figure out, you know, what exactly makes herself tick while she's in the middle of a completely glassy field that she can't see, you know, a way out of must be claustrophobic in a weird sort of way do you think you'd have uh, a, a similar experience and not quite to, to the extent that she might do you think you'd have a similar experience on the island being alone i think being alone on the island for when it becomes weeks and months could become extremely lonely with no contact with anybody that talks back you mean you could talk to the people on the bbc when they say good morning you could say good morning and pretend like you're talking to them but eventually it might become monotonous and you just, you know, just fizzle into slight depression or maybe even heavy depression. I, I mean, just look at what happened in Castaway. The guy tried to kill himself. <laughs> it's such a jolly subject we've actually got onto. It's just being sort of depressed on a desert island and uh, <laughs> wanting to kill yourself. So <laughs> let's move along to something that's a little bit more uplifting. You're allowed to have one music track with you and it would have to be a track that that you're going to be able to listen to um without going additionally insane um for for a period of time what what music track would that be and this was um a pod safe track as well is that right uh, pod pod safe yeah pod safe is useful because we're able to play it on the program okay well um let's um go for some uh, selection from american heartbreak i think they're just about the best pod safe music i've heard Okay, so one track you have to. We, we have to last of the superheroes. On... Last of the superheroes. Okay, why why would you select that? Well, I think it's I, I like that best of the songs I've heard of theirs. I've heard their entire album, and um, I also think it might have some symbology to my situation, yeah. being the last of the superheroes on the island. You know, maybe there's maybe there's been a lot of people on that island over time, and. I'm the last one or the last one alive or I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's give it let's have a listen to that particular track. Uh Last of the Superheroes from American Heartbreak. <laughs>
70s back again that was um last of the superheroes american heartbreak that's sebastian's choice for his one music track that he will have with him on the island now originally when we spoke uh you wanted to have some mozart on on the island now as i said primarily we wanted to have uh podsafe so that we could actually play the track on 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 the actual show itself but tell me about why you would have wanted mozart and in fact flute and harp concerto well i think that classical music is far more timeless um, than anything that's been produced in the last 100 or so years, 150 years. And uh, the flute and harp concerto, and I don't suppose it really matters who's playing it as long as it's a traditional version, um, is, is timeless and, and has so many facets and levels that you can appreciate every time you hear it so say i listen to it once a week on the island or once or twice a week on the island every time i listen to it i would hear something new depending if well if i wasn't there for a thousand years and i think that the the mozart i mean you know no offense to pop music and certainly no offense to podsafe music 
but there is there just doesn't have what classical music has. Oh, I see. I, I, yes, I see your point to uh, where you're coming from there. And and do you find that that because Mozart tends to be for the for the most part most of his work. I'm not actually familiar with that particular track, but most of his work tends to be very uplifting and very positive in its in its tone. Do you think that will help you as well psychologically? Well, it might do, but it might also serve to remind me how I can hear no more than that one. I, I don't know. I'm, I haven't actually um, started my journey yet, but as soon as I do, I'll let you know. Now, I can I can foresee. Yeah, I can foresee two sides of the coin for for some of your choices here. You see, you're you're choosing things that will that that you feel will help you. But as as we go through the discussion, you're noticing that there's a there's a different side potentially to uh, to these selections. Now, your next selection, I don't think there is a, a negative side to it. I think it's going to be very positive for you. Again, it's a little bit of an obvious one, though, so you're going to have to justify it really hard. Um, uh, you're allowed one book, and what book is that going to be? The book I'm ta- choosing to take with me is the SAS Survival Guide, so uh, which is how to survive anywhere on land or at sea. And the reason I'm taking that with me is because as most people who haven't been Boy Scouts or Civil Air Patrol or Army Cadets or whatever won't get survival training, um, don't really know when they go out into the forest or to the desert island what they can eat, what they can use to fish, um, all sorts. And I saw, and I saw an interesting um, activity when I was at college, which was how how we were given a, a pile of stuff and told to survive on a desert island with it and then they showed us what the SAS do with it and the SAS use like amazing amounts of things uh, from just you know things like a uh, a fishnet skirt or things like that just random things you would not expect so the SAS are the people to listen to when you want to survive on an island Yep, that kind of makes sense. Now, interesting you refer to um, to sort of Cub Scouts and the fact that they actually have survival training. Is that your, your perception of the – I say there was a slight, slight sort of snigger in my voice because um, having come through the, the ranks, shall we say, of scouting, um, your perception is that they, they have some kind of survival training. Well, I would have – I would expect so. <laughs> Um, I know that the Civil Air Patrol, which I was a member of for about a year um, in America, which is the auxiliary of the United States Air Force, um, does have survival training. And you go on bivouacs and go do physical challenges to survive outside. Things that, you know, they take away your radio. And um, you just have to get used to the fact that you have limited means. I would have thought that the Boy Scouts would do the same thing, if I'm wrong. Well, in my personal experience, I think um, building a chair, uh, cooking on an open fire, and telling ghost stories to get each other frightened to sleep at night is about as far as it goes. And we, we, I, mean, I, I remember having basic skills. I mean, I, I know how to operate a piece of wood and some string and, and, and build something to sit on but or cook with or, or whatever, but... Survival training, no, I wouldn't say survival training as such. And from what I've heard, the way that uh, the sort of scouting teaching has actually evolved since the, the many years ago that I was actually involved, it's it's even less of that kind of thing. So actually, I think you may have an advantage because you've had a little taste of uh, that kind of training. So you might have you might be starting with an advantage here. 
I would feel incredibly disadvantaged stuck on an island on my own, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you, you have the SAS Survivor Guide, and as you say, sort of how to survive on, on uh, land or sea. Have, have you actually seen this book? Have you have you actually flicked through its pages? Um, no, but I read reviews of it when I went to choose it. I haven't actually physically seen the book because it's on Amazon, um, but... Um, that everybody says it's an excellent survival guide. I'm not sure how many people have used it to survive with. Well, you see, that's that's a that's a really good point because I suspect that that most people who are actually rating it have not actually put these things into into practice, and I would suspect that most people are actually incapable of putting these things into practice because the, the majority of people um, who are completely stranded in some kind of emergency situation are actually more inclined inclined to to run around and scream. Well, I think you might run around and scream until you realize that what you did with yourself would determine your survival. I mean, I know that I would probably scream for the first couple of days, but I think I would get used to it in a couple of days and start to um, deal with my situation rather than... I mean, I, I know that humans adapt very easily. Uh, and if if you are in a situation that's suddenly different... For example, the TV show Lost, which I have watched none of, they crash in this airplane and they have to survive on this island. Well, how many seasons have they been alive now? Yeah, you should have, maybe you should have watched that. Maybe you'd have some survival tips. But they do say, apparently, survival experts do say that the one key thing, the one key factor in survival is state of mind. If you, if, you know, it, it's you that survives. Not, it's not based on what's around you or whatever. It's to do with your state of mind and how you react to your environment. Well, exactly. If a man believes he's going to die tomorrow, he'll probably find a way of making it happen. That's very, very true. So far, we've had a website, Wikipedia, and the only reason I'm going to permit you access to Wikipedia is that you do have a very original justification for that, which is uh, inspiration for you and research for your writing. Um, so we ha we had the music, we had the podcast, we had the survival guide with the book. We have one last thing that you're allowed to bring in, which is a gadget, some form of gadget. What will that be? I chose to bring in a GPS so I could map the island. Uh, if I can't get off it, I want to know every nook and cranny of it so that anyone ever invades, I can keep control of my spot. Uh, so it's a GPS from Garmin, the GPS 60, is it from Amazon as well. Why that one in particular? I looked at them and I was thinking, what has the easiest screen to read? And looks like it would be the toughest, because I would imagine on that island, even though I'll be the only one there, things will be exposed to the elements far more than they are sitting on my desk right here. All right. So so this is very much a, you know, one of those um, outdoor, rugged kind of things. So it's not like the kind of thing you'd have in your car. Exactly. I believe this one is waterproof as well. That that would make a lot of sense. Now you say you're concerned about invasion, and do you feel there may be other islands around? Uh, you know, have you heard about the cannibals on the nearby island? Um, I hadn't heard about them, but now that I have, I'll make sure that <laughs> I watch out for them. I think that um, I don't know if I'm supposed to add anything here, but the first thing I would think about after um, food, water, and shelter um, would be to construct some sort of weapon so that I have something, uh, a handheld device, whether it be an extremely nicely shaped uh, log, uh, branch, or, or um, whatever, something that I could use for personal defense. 
Because I think that once you have that security, even if it's not particularly good, if you say to yourself, I've got a weapon, you know, me, me caveman, me got weapon. <laughs> uh, I think you'd, I think you'd feel better about being stuck on your own in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Uh, is my logic flawed? Um, I, I, I think maybe it would, it would certainly make you feel uh, empowered, I think, over, over your surroundings and, and certainly, you know, you're, you're potentially in a situation where you are deserted and therefore you don't have a full control over your destiny. And I think maybe that empowerment would, would help the, the potential sanity issues that we, we discussed right near the beginning of the program. I, and I also think that if you have something in your possession that is powerful, like you said, which is a really good point, it gives you the power. If a, uh, say there is an indigenous, um, other human life that is maybe not quite as advanced as, as, as we are, I don't know on this Island, if they, they probably don't have any technology and if they do, then I'm going to go call home. But, uh, if they are a threat, they will think twice before attacking someone who has a weapon than they will with someone who doesn't have a weapon. Unless of course they think you're so powerful by your presence without a weapon that they don't come near you at all. So potentially uh, the the other route to survival against anyone else who may attack or already be on the island for you is um, to give them the impression that perhaps you're their their god. I was thinking about that, yes. I think that it would be important to establish parameters with them, especially if I'm going to have to live with their presence for a long time. So either one, make peace with them, or do my best to make peace with them. As a Star Trek enthusiast, of course, uh, I have knowledge of Star Trek as well, so the Prime Directive comes into play here. I'm not going to give them my GPS, don't worry. (laughs) Or um, uh, I think, though, that, I mean, if they see me in blue jeans and a T-shirt, what's going to happen to the the course of the universe? Nothing's going to change. These people, if they're on this island with me, or if they're on a neighboring island, we could be beneficial to each other. They could teach me how they learned to survive, and I could teach them how to take care of me. <laughs> or, or, or you could become part of their their evening meal. Yeah, well, I could. That, that's probably more likely. Well, Sebastian, it sounds like you're going to have a good time on the island because uh, you're certainly going to survive. Uh, you're going to have some entertainment. You're going to have some inspiration. So you're going to be creative as well, which is an excellent thing to to do. And you're going to be able to defend yourself, uh, which is very important. And of course, you're going to know and understand and map every single nook and cranny of the island. Maybe produce some some maps and uh, scratch those into rock or whatever for any future inhabitants of the island. Maybe I could make some fake gravestones use the next people <laughs> that would be quite intriguing it? <laughs> it may, may concern them a little bit as to what went on in the past <laughs> yeah I, it should be it should be fun to um uh it would be fun to try it on the holodeck <laughs> so you could say oh you know what i've had enough of this um especially if the uh, safety um safety system that make it so you don't die on the holodeck is in place I don't see. Now, perhaps that should have been the gadget that you actually brought with you. I didn't know I could. I did, couldn't bring anything but real devices. It, you should have told me I could bring a tricorder, and I'd have brought a tricorder because that can be a GPS, a survival guide, the BBC, the music, and Wikipedia. There you go. That that 
and maybe we wouldn't have allowed a tricorder because of it's it's just a little too versatile perhaps and gives you the ability to do everything pretty straightforwardly but um all of your items you can take with you we've approved all of those items and you've justified them rather well and we hope you find some some quality time shall we say while you spend some time on the island uh, sebastian Bruth, thank you very very much for your time enjoy yourself relax survive and get to know this new home of yours well thank you very much neil it's been a pleasure and i will um of course oblige you on this wonderful holographic island that was desert island geek this program was produced and presented by neil dixon to get yourself in touch with the show if you want to take part have a comment or want to suggest a geek for a future episode drop us an email customs at desertislandgeek.com The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, Podshow, and Limelight.